Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Welcome once again to Spotty, streaming to you live from Melbourne town here at the Ticket News Studio in glamorous Richmond, where for the last time this week, we shine the spotlight on shares and answer questions live on air, though a little bit of a twist today. Stay tuned for that. How do you ask the questions, though, if we do have the time to get in there? Well, you can uh, send them to uh, the text machine, Dexter, 0480 079 or you can email us, of course, question at spotty.com.au. But I don't need to remind you of that because you've already all put it into your smartphones which is why you ask so many questions when they pop up to mind. And thank you very much in advance for that. So let's bring in today's chief spotter as well. Look, he's the market's resident all-weather man. And like a phoenix rising from the ashes, like a lost lamb returned to the flock, or like a rabid seaman drawn into the ocean by the sounds of sirens, it's Rudy Philippek Van Dyke, the great man from that wonderful finance publishing house, FN Arena. Rudy, welcome back to the program. Man, um, how can I disappoint after such an introduction? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you are top shelf. It's great to have you back on the program. And so many of uh, our viewers uh, were preemptive and asked a stack load of questions. And folks, uh, unfortunately, we can't necessarily do that today because we've got Rudy on for a special occasion, which is, of course, his summation on what has been an incredible reporting season. But Rudy, before we get into that, for those that may not have heard you uh, all the other various channels that you stream on all across the world why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then more interestingly well from my perspective that wonderful uh, publishing house that you've built there at fn arena and how you help investors every single day yes well paul be needless to say we uh, we have been going uh, i think now for uh, 18 years so i lost count uh, to be honest i'm uh, showing my age as well um we are one of the truly independent um and impartial we try uh media companies in finance in australia uh we uh, what, basically what we do is we keep the market transparent so we amalgamate all the information from the experts uh we summate that for investors and we make that available every morning and we have built a whole service around that so at the very least if you want to know why for example uh, the share price of Service Stream has been under pressure uh, or since they reported it in February. Well, there's probably an answer to be found on the effort doing the website. Just, just one example. And on top of that, I've, I've sort of developed myself as, a, as an analyst on top of the analysts. I pay attention to micro trends and, and to, uh, as Elio uh, rightly pointed out, I pay attention to quality of companies, and I do have a different definition of quality than uh, than is abounded about uh, a lot of times. Everyone uses quality as a, as a term, but doesn't mean that it's always used in the right context. 
and of course um the service can be trialed for free for two weeks and um happy to answer questions online via email or here on the program and i'm always doing my best to uh, to be, to be myself uh independent impartial and um, sometimes uncut well, look, Rudy, I mean, we can obviously, if you want the uncut version, also you can follow him on social media. He'll even answer your questions there. Uh, fnarena.com is the website where Rudy's correct. There is that 14-day trial where you can go there and just see the uh, information that is available, including why Service Stream has gone down um, in share price too. So by all means, I encourage you all to go have a look at that. Uh, and, yeah, Rudy, you have been around that long because I can remember when you started. Um, which is, uh, well, started <laughs> FN Arena, I should say. I know yes. you've been in uh, this space for quite a while. Uh, we're ready uh, to dissect the reporting season. So, uh, like I said, if you do have a question, you can try to send it through. Um, hopefully it's reporting season related rather than stock specific just in this uh, particular session. Of course, if you do send a stock specific question and we can't answer it today, then obviously we will um, try to do so over the coming uh, weeks, as you know, I always do. All right, so currently as we go to air, the market, um, well, it's up a little bit. The uh, All Lords are 0.57%, 0.61% for the XJO, the 200. What we um, have seen is a bit of news come through, which is today's GDP numbers, which had just dropped uh, quite recently, actually, uh, up 3.1% for the December quarter. Now, this compared to expectations of 2.5%. Uh, for the year, though, we're still down 1.1%. So we're coming out of being shut, shut down for six months. And of course, I can tell you, Rudy, that here in Melbourne wasn't any fun, even though up in the Northern Beaches, you had a mini version yourself. You know, it, it was better than expected. It was strong. Just your thoughts or your first, uh, I suppose, thoughts, Rudy, on uh, the back of this 3.1% growth number. Um, are you satisfied that everything's on track? Were you expecting better? Worse? Um, I, I don't think my expectations really count on this for the earlier. And I, no, and are I, you and kidding I'm, me? I'm, I'm, I've got thousands yes, of people <laughs> tuning in live to this, Rudy, for this. Don't, don't sell not yourself short. The, <laughs> surely not for the GDP figure of Australia. I no. think I think I think for I think for investors in general, I think don't get go, don't get too focused on these economic data. I mean, as as we all should know, a lot of it is is, is statistics. It's it's I think you you just keep you just keep pace with the general trend here, and the general trend is that the economies are recovering from last year's abyss. Still, a lot of uh, support is being provided by central bankers and by governments. And that is probably still justified, and I think that's the main thing that that investors should uh, should pay attention to. Don't get bogged down into whether it's two point five or three point one. It's really, really not important if you're owning Woolworths, uh, Fortescue, or um, uh, Service Street. Right? It, it doesn't matter. Right? Well, that's a good lead into the other uh, story I wanted to talk about, which was when Governor Giggles Low yesterday and the RBA board came out and said the rates were going to be left unchanged. But I suppose more interestingly, they did say that they see no need to intervene further in bond markets um, than what they currently are. Now, uh, this led to the pullback that we saw in the market. Uh, people listen to uh, what you said and can go back to the future, as it were. Um, they would have probably not panicked on the back of that news, notwithstanding the market did uh, correct throughout the remainder of the day. But obviously, the big question, though, is more to the point that is there a risk that if our government doesn't do that, get more aggressive in its bond buying program, effectively start printing money and all that sort of thing? Is there a risk that we could be left behind given that everyone else is doing it? Shouldn't we just do it as well because they are? And at least, um, you know, if we all go down, we all go down together. 
yes, and yes, and probably yes. Um, I think the, just to point out a very important uh, element here, the fact that the RBA intervened in Monday's market is actually quite really important. It, it, it signifies that we are currently having a little bit of a we have a little bit of a battle going on in the share market. And we notice that every day because if if investors would be paying attention to share prices every day and to the market uh, every day, not only do we have a lot of volatility, we do have a lot of swings in the market. And it, it essentially goes from from quality and growth and, and last year's uh, COVID winners now to value and, and this year's mm -hmm. anticipated uh, COVID winners, last year's losers. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, Elio, but uh, I, I have a, I have a little pain in my neck just by watching share prices every day. And that's essentially uh, the main traders must be must be rubbing their hands every morning and thinking like, are we buying or selling for the skew today? Because the, the, the gains that, that can be made if you're right on, on the swings are, uh, are massive. But for investors, it's I think it's it's uh, it, it's essential to keep a cool head here. And uh, and you have to make a decision whether you're on you're on the side of the central bankers here, or you're on the side of uh, those in the share market who are basically taking guidance from the fact that we will recover with economies, and we will have a temporary I I emphasize a temporary spike in inflation. Now, how much guidance should we take from the temporary spike in inflation that is yet to come? Well, that's the the million dollar question, and it. As we can see every day, it has a massive impact in markets. Yeah. It, 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 it's the reason why we have these big swings um, and why some shares, even though the companies behind those shares are in, in great nick, they're performing really, really well, uh, but they're not going anywhere. And that's at the moment we're having this, this battle going on in the market. And it's to a large extent, it's, it's, it's sentiment and also because the fact I believe in recent years, the market has, has become more and more trend following. Mm. And the current trend is to, to jump on mining stocks and financials and to ignore uh, REITs, healthcare companies and, and last year's uh, technology stocks. Yeah, that whole bond proxy trade thing uh, starting to rear its head once more. But of course, you are the great oracle and you see all and you do look at the markets from above for as us mere mortals are down below here. Um, Rudy, I want to point your attention to a recent AFR article uh, that was uh, published today, mm -hmm. actually, whereby Origin Energy uh, will offer fleets of electric vehicles to corporate customers through a joint venture with fleet management company Custom Fleet. Now, the group intends to provide a one-stop shop for companies looking to go electric in, in their uh, sort of corporate vehicle fleet in order to help that business get to net zero emission targets uh, that they're all going to be setting themselves, no doubt, over the coming 12 months. So, why is this important? Because business fleets make up close to half of new vehicle sales. We know new vehicle sales are starting to pick up once again, once more after what had been even a longer period than pre-COVID disastrous, whereby they had something like 21 consecutive periods of fallback in sales. So the electrification of the road is definitely occurring. Um, obviously, the article tips toward this possibly being the tipping point for EVs, um, but investors are yawning saying, yeah, we already knew this. Rudy, we know lithium has had a boom-bust boom cycle already, so has graphite, cobalt, and grandfather nickel and Dr. Copper, all those thrown in together. What's your view in that broader space? Here to stay, should we now put aside the old sayings we did in regards to this, you know, oh, it's a fad, high risk, et cetera, et cetera, 
Do we need to grow it in acceptance? And if so, how do we do it without getting our fingers burnt? Oh, the last, the, last, the latter part will be difficult because uh, we are still talking commodities, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think maybe, maybe the important point to, to, to make here, Elio, is that, and, and the EV market uh, and battery market is, is very, very crucial in that. But those analysts who are forecasting a, a new commodities super cycle coming up, um, if before investors get too excited, they have to uh, fully acknowledge there will be winners and losers in that commodity super cycle. And I'm not talking about the companies that, that have commodity prices as an input. I'm talking about commodities themselves. Mm. And Australia is, Australia is a little bit of a, of a strange duck in, 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 in this lineup because the world is increasingly moving in one direction and Australia is still the country that needs to be dragged along, screaming and and in particular from the political point of view in Canberra. But what we are seeing and what we are increasingly going to see in the decade ahead is that, listen, guys, whether you like it or not, coal is out, right? It's the reason why share prices, for example, uh, well, for the coal producers in the first place, yeah. but also for mining services providers that, uh, that, that work with coal. Look at Orica, for example, another profit warning. And, and, and also uh, a few other coal-related uh, exposures. It's the reason why both BHP and Rio are selling off their assets, uh, which what, what they have left, and South 32 as well, by the way. The next shoe to drop is oil and gas, guys. Mm. Oil and gas are facing peak demand, and it's going to be a slow slide into oblivion, which is a long, arduous process, admittedly but they will by no means have the same dynamics as the nickels, the coppers, etc., of, of the world. Um, while that mega trend is building, we should all keep in mind, we are talking commodities. So along the way, what counts is still the balance between supply and demand. And that balance at times will, will heavily move into the supply side and then heavily move into the demand side. And that is simply how that game works. Um, there are multiple ways of, of playing that, um, that thematic. Uh, there, are, there are increasingly more and more technology companies involved. There are companies who are changing their ways. And there are companies at the moment who face an existential uh, crisis. And the one that comes to mind uh, is not so much origin, but it's, the, it's a competitive origin. It's agile energy. Mm -hmm. um, the, usu the usual mistake that investors make is, uh, oh, look at that, attractive dividend yield, very low price stock. Um, the share price has been falling since 2017, and it doesn't appear that there's a sustainable end to the slide just yet for AGL Energy. Yeah, and of course, uh, that uh, led to that great, great, wonderful quote that I still have up in my office, Rudy, that if you invest for nothing other than income, eventually you're going to get bit in the bum, uh, which, of course, was credited <laughs> to you. So I've got that in brass. Uh, before we do, do go on, though, I need to remind everyone watching the show who's consuming all this wonderful information to remind them that, of course, that um, all the information is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your personal objectives, situations or needs. Therefore, you need to sit there objectively, consume the information and then make a decision based on your own personal circumstances and tolerance to risk. Uh, of course, remember that in, uh, in our discussion, we do talk about stocks. Sometimes, um, you know, where we get into them in quite a bit of detail. We try to remind you all, tell you all whether we do hold an interest in those businesses or not. But sometimes in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, we forget. 
So uh, just uh, feel free to contact us all directly, Rudy at fnarena.com or myself in order to uh, get any clarification should you wish to know whether we do actually hold an interest in some of the stocks discussed. And of course, Spotty is proud to be powered by our great friends, as always, at ShareWealth Systems. Go to the website, sharewealthsystems.com, to learn how they've helped thousands of Australian investors outperform by giving them an edge over others. So be the tortoise and win the race of investing life. Go to sharewealthsystems.com in order to learn how they um, help everyone um, every single day. All right then, Rudy, I want to get into the reporting season. That's what we got you here for, yeah. uh, other than your good looks. Thanks very much for getting the haircut too for coming on. Much appreciated. <laughs> that, those little details, I uh, definitely appreciate. Let's start with the, over, the helicopter view. What yeah. was your overall impression on the reporting season? Uh, it's, it's, it has been called the, the best reporting season in 20 years in Australia. And um, it's very difficult to argue with that point. Mm. Now, I have to say, the explanation here is, is that is that that assessment is made on the basis of how company company reports uh, compare to expectations in the market beforehand. And on that basis, I, I have I've seldom seen uh, companies beating analyst expectations that easily and, and mm -hmm. in that in those large numbers. Um, we started off the reporting season with uh, more than uh, three quarters of companies uh, beating expectations. Um, but that obviously was the Australian reporting season is a bit funny because there's a there's a very large emphasis on, on the dying days of the month. And by the end of the month, it, uh, we still we still are about 47% of companies that, that have beaten expectations. Um, we we seldom see those numbers. I mean, a, a very good reporting season in Australia would be something like 37 or 38% of companies beating expectations. We're now at 47. So um, I mean, exceptionally good. Um, equally important, and, and most people who pay attention to February would have noticed uh, we, we haven't had really, really a lot of shocking releases. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I mentioned AGL Energy earlier. We had uh, an Appen, we had an, uh, we had an A2 Milk. Um, we had uh, some of the smaller ones as well. I mean, again, Hum Group and uh, Ardent Leisure, and, and, and there are a few. But in general terms, I mean, let me put it in this way. Even the Telstras and the banks were amongst the better reporters this season. And that says a lot about the character of the season itself. Mm. Um, I, I made a joke this week that um, there's a company listed that's called Wagner's. And ever since Wagner's listed, uh, it hasn't been a very good performer for shareholders. And I'm putting this mildly. And this season, that company has been highlighted by some other analysts as being one of the, the one of the star performers yeah. uh, in the season. And that tells you everything you need to know about the reporting season. Yeah. I mean, it literally is the world upside down. The companies that couldn't put a dent in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pack of butter last year are now smashing it out of the park. And, um, and for investors, of course, uh, it really now boils down to, um, to what are you looking for? What's your strategy and what, what type of stocks do you want in your portfolio? Because the, the, the great performers from the past few years, the CSLs, the ResMets, the, the next TCs, I mean, many of them had still really, really great results, uh, in yeah. particular those companies that I just mentioned. But the share price responses were not there this time. And, uh, and they may not be there for the next six months or so. And that is unfortunately the character of the beast. 
sometimes when you go out and you want to have a, a great game of golf, it's pouring down and you can't change it. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the mountain can't be moved. And that is unfortunately the, the prospect of the share market at this particular point in time. Well, as the true golfer will tell you, though, but you're still out on the course, and that's a good sign for them. So uh, that's probably the comfort I can give. But you touched on that good point there. That, And we're getting a lot of questions, obviously, during uh, February, uh, Rudy, where there were companies who did deliver solid results, and yet their share price did fall. And you mentioned Hum. That's probably the classic example, actually, of all of them, where we've been getting a lot of queries in regards to that. It's just the nature of the beast, the danger of expectations to a degree. But I want to go back yes. to the um, the beat case. You mentioned that there were um, a larger number of companies that did beat, which was great and obviously why it's been lauded as a great reporting season. So why was this the case? Was it that analysts got their revenue numbers wrong? Was it the improvement in margins that was significantly above, you know, the idea? What do you think was the catalyst for the beat? Because let's face it, I mean, these guys make a career and get paid a lot of money analysing these businesses, and they did miss by a bit in that regard. Um, what yes. do you feel was the main catalyst for the beat? Um, if you want to go straight to the core, uh, then it's easy to, to make a comparison with uh, the reporting season after the GFC. And that also was a reporting season when, when companies increasingly beat market expectations. And um, the reason for that is, while analysts are getting handsomely paid to, to, to cover companies, they still have to do it from the outside of a company. And we, we never really know what's going, in, what's going on inside companies. And companies have a lot of, lot of, lot of space to move. Mm -hmm. they, they can cut costs if they want to. They can stop uh, spending money. And they can even uh, boil back on things that are essential. But for the time being, they just put them on hold. Yeah. Um, having said so, all those things happened. Uh, last year, but um, analysts were still surprised that the recovery has come quicker and 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 and, uh, and with more force to it than they had anticipated. So the margins—it's not so much a top-line thing, but the margins in many cases surprised and were better. And that is obviously partially that that managements had have, have done a, have done a good job in managing that, but also. That all of a sudden the economic recovery is 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 and of course there is there is help from central banks there is help from governments uh, there's a whole discussion going on about whether some companies should pay back some of the jobkeeper money they received because that all that helped of course and it's not always clear for as if you're an analyst from the outside how that is going to translate in, in particular in the margins and bottom lines and all of that so I, and and also don't forget most companies did not give any guidance so it's a little bit of like, oh, how is that going to translate? <laughs> and then, and then I think the, the the other element is, if you look at the the spending that came towards some of those retail companies, let's be honest. I mean, hundred percent here, two hundred fifty percent there, one hundred eighty percent elsewhere. Those are not numbers that you normally put through your Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah? it's it's absolutely amazing how much of that uh, came towards them. The trick now is is whether this can be repeated in august and in a lot of cases we should not we should not forget this in a lot of cases we are coming off a very low base i mean some of those companies were literally struggling to stay alive last year now they've beaten expectations but of course because they have expectations will now creep up into august and that's going to be an interesting test now whether, whether august will 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 prove a repeat exercise of February 
And I'm almost inclined to say that will not be the case in many, many cases. Well, look, I do want to stick with the margin expansion, though, because, of course, we've now seen it. So the question becomes what a company's going to do with it. Now, they didn't waste a good crisis, as you would expect, and that went straight to the bottom line, big catalyst for the beats, of course. But what I want to basically know is, and whether there's any indication from analyst land at this stage, is what a company's going to do with that you know, new headroom that they've received. Are they going to target more aggressively growth opportunities by acquisition or the like? Um, or are they looking to maintain those levels and continue to grow organically? No company in regards to, as you mentioned, their outlook for the remainder of the six months, because who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, what, what do you think analysts are expecting? Do you think they're going to maintain juicy margins or are they going to reinvest those margins into seeking growth opportunities in these businesses? I'll, I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen the, the old reflex coming back in Australia that um, that dividends have recovered much faster than, than, than earnings have. Uh, this reporting season was, again, more proof of that. Now, I can fully understand that um, the iron ore producers uh, surprised to the upside with their, with the, with their payouts to, to shareholders because they are literally swimming into cash and they wouldn't know what to do with that cash. Um, but a lot of financials, industrial companies, um, they, they obviously, again, had that reflex. Oh, it's going better than expected. Let's pay out a lot of money to, to shareholders. My worry at this point is that logically, those companies and many of them are old economy stocks, old economy companies. They should be transforming themselves. They should be um, restructuring themselves. They should invest in the future of their businesses and i'm a little bit afraid that since this crisis seems to be i've been taken care of quite quickly quite rapidly is that that might that might still be lagging and that i think will be the real challenge for investors once this economic theme has run its course because those mega trends about going to electric vehicles to batteries to more um, uh, use of software and and technology Etc. Etc. Those mega the, the move to online, for example, those mega trends are not going to go disappear just because now we're buying value because the bond market tells us to. Mm -hmm. Those challenges will pop up at some point again, and that is my worry. That uh, boards are too comfortable with the fact that they've done well now, but they may not necessarily open their purse and put it into and put it into a transformation of the business. To make it better adjusted to the future. Yeah, but but to be fair though, that's been a challenge many large caps have had in the past before, and that's why you know today's big large cap end up tomorrow's small caps if they don't stay ahead of the game. But Rudy, we're just a little past halfway in, so get yourself a glass of water. As I remind everyone to take some time, particularly over the weekend, to download the Share Wealth Systems White Paper, 16trades.com. That's one six trades. Com to learn the qualities required to be a successful investor as authored by our great friend Gary Stone, such as the fact that consistency and objectivity are key to longevity. Say that 10 times. Now, this is not a new concept, of course, when it comes to trading and investing, and Gary Stone notes this. However, it is a critical trait, uh, and it is required that uh, to be successful, it, it just can't be ignored because consistency and objectively, objectivity Whilst many of us think they're physical steps that we take, the trick is they're actually mental skills, which manifests as outcomes through the execution of our trades and our ability to, uh, to adhere to strictly to a plan that we believe in.
So that's why you've got to download the ebook, 16traits16traits.com to learn why you need to stay the course as well as the other 15 traits required to be a successful investor um, and come out the other side smelling peaches. All right, so as we're currently uh, at the air at the moment, the market's uh, relatively flat actually, looking at it here, the XJO, right back, right, right where we, everyone must be gripped by your content, Rudy, thank you. Uh, very much today for your uh, appearance and I'm sure our uh, guests or our viewers are very uh, appreciative as well. I want to go into sector talk now and I want to start with uh, one of the standouts which was retail in terms of beats. Why? Why did it occur actually? L let me ask, we saw some astronomical numbers, you touched on those 100 plus figures and a lot of that was in the retail space particularly at the smaller you know online end. The bigger end though wasn't left um, alone either, they had some good results too. What do you see for this sector as things start to normalize or is this a new normal? Um, it will for a lot of retailers. I believe there was a new normal building um, and that's basically what I hinted at earlier. The, the move to online is, is sustainable. I mean, we're not going to go, we're not going to moving away from online again. Um, but of course it will be, it will be uh, not as spectacular. Uh, think as we've as we've seen in the six months leading into the, to, to 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 December. I mean, um, sales figures can't double every six months. Uh, uh, doing six months what they usually do in more than a year. Um, so it will for investors. It will be a well. There, let me put it this way: there is there is a lively debate going on now in the background of this program between people who say like, well, this is this is it. They've they've seen their peak. And, and the other half of analysts is, is thinking, ah, oh, this is going to go on at least until, until the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the closing months of, of, uh, of 2021 and, and, and maybe even leading into 2022. So it's, it's now become a debate about, uh, about longevity and about sustainability. Um, I'm, I'm on the side that I think, um, many of those, um, retailers in particular, those who are um exposed to a reopening of economies and 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 leveraged to the housing market in australia i think they will continue to have very good times ahead of them mm -hmm. and that means that uh, some of those share prices that uh, might might look like they're very expensive today uh, they're not expensive at all and those share prices will will all else being equal uh, will be higher by year end and, you know, look, the sell-off that we saw in a lot of them based on those previous lofty mm. expectations, as it were, does mm. create a unique opportunity for many to buy quality retailers because the resilience of the Australian consumer can't be underestimated. Um, look, mm. no discussion in retail, though, can go without some talk about the buy now, pay later space, Rudy B. You know, I mean, yeah, you look at the... What was your view on their reports? Is it all plan? Were there even beats? If you can still be a loss-making entity, with the exception of Hum, of course, if you can still be a loss-making entity, can you actually beat expectations? Um, what's your take on, on all of that? I mean, have we finally seen everyone become a true believer and the only thing now they don't believe in is cryptocurrencies? What's your thought? Oh, you might, you might, you might be close to the truth there, I think. <laughs> um, here, here was what I picked up this season, and that's, I think that's, that's it's sometimes it's, it's the small observations that, that, uh, that have a big impact. Um, the market was no longer surprised by the by the growth numbers that these guys are putting out, and, and I did I did notice that there is still some some increases to valuations and to forecasts for afterpay, for example. But 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 the focus is very much shifting now 
to the fact that Afterpay again had to raise money and their founders were again offloading stock. And when these guys are growing at much faster levels than everyone's expecting, nobody cares. But all of a sudden, people are starting to care and to start paying attention because and, the, and I saw that recurring more and more in, in, in analyst reports, if, whether, it, whether it was about Afterpay or about Zip or one of the other ones, is that they're all raising money some one way or another, which means they're all cashed up to do their advertising. And with, which that means is that competition in the sector will, will become tougher. And that means that maybe the risk is increasing for and, and disappointments might follow. So similar as with the retailers we discussed earlier, I think that in a general sense, a more cautious approach towards the, the future of those companies. And they might now have to, to jump a few higher barriers to convince investors that uh, the sky is blue and still the limit. It may well be that those share prices for the time being um, have seen their peak and, and investors might might wait until what they are going to do with their money again and, and about further developments uh, in that sector. I mean, we've seen over the past few years, almost every week or so, there was a new company or an, or an existing company moving in that space. Mm. Um, I mean, even National Australia Bank is in that space now. And um, and of course, it's it's like it's like uh, it's like every new pizzeria that opens up next to the other one in, in a certain street. They can't all have a profitable business eternally and and and, and into the into longevity. Point that sector has to weed out the winners from the losers, the strongest from 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 the from the weaker ones. And it's anyone's guess when that, when exactly that's going to happen. But um, as I said in February, it became quite obvious. Analysts are increasingly now focusing on on the competition that's heating up, and that probably means across the board a little bit of a more cautious approach to that sector. But for those that yeah, for those that take a longer term view on this, and look, you know, I think a billion dollars that Klarna raised just the other day so easily has been a bit of a filler and support mm. for the sector in the mm. short term. But for those with a longer term view, we know that if you control the money gateway and the pathway, then ultimately, eventually, you'll want to hold on to the money. So I think it's a good segue into banks. We saw the CBA, uh, we saw the quarterly updates provided by the others. You know, they were strong. I mean, even Westpac, which has been the piñata of bank stocks for a while, their results were actually quite solid. The regionals, Bank of Queensland, Bendigo Adelaide, Suncorp were actually not too bad either. So I know banks have been a hobby horse for quite a while, Rudy. Everyone always asks for your view on that. How did you view the earnings season or the update season from the banks? Do, do you think finally the conditions are right and set that we can regain our faith in these uh, venerable institutions? In short, yes. Um, one of the ways to qualify this reporting season is that uh, the banks are back, essentially. And um, I mean, last year, the situation looked quite dire, uh, but the combination of central bank support with, with government support, with a, a rapidly recovering uh, economy, and all the, of course, all the rent relief and all of that that's, that's supposedly with it, plus the fact that they were forced to cut their dividends last year, uh, has now built a case that the banks are probably looking towards a two to three year, almost golden period. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing that uh, one part of, of the Australian share market from the top part, which are the iron ore producers, I earlier said, they are swimming in cash. 
now we will have the banks and analysts are already forecasting they will have excess cash now amongst other reasons because they have last year cut their dividends so those two large groups who make up a big chunk of the index are now probably going to surprise investors with larger than forecast payouts uh, probably starting later in the year and maybe even even next year so this has led, for example, JP Morgan to declare a super cycle in dividends opening up for Australian investors. And um, there's, there's very few to put against that. Um, I mean, it's very hard to argue with, with, mm. with, with that argument, basically. Dividends are coming and the banks are back. And, and you probably see that. The irony here is that until recently, most of the institutions were still underweight the banks. Uh, that's what you get after five years of underperformance. And, um, and so the banks will probably remain well supported here because those guys will, at the very least, will move to market weight, if not to overweight. And with a cracking, you know, property market, of course, and we've seen a lot of those mortgage brokers mm. uh, like uh, Resimac and uh, Money3 and a number of others yield some very strong results too. Unsurprising to uh, see that as a possible outlook. So thank you, Rudy. Rudy, the last sector I want to talk about before we conclude today's wrap-up of the reporting season is the mining sector, the new retiree stock of choice, of course, for those juicy dividends. Um, and we uh, have a couple of those miners going ex-dividend uh, very shortly. Chasing the uh, yield, of course, as many term deposit refugees have been doing, but there are elevated risks. So what message would you like to pass on to investors who have dipped into that sector for the yield from the great iron ore stories that are out there and even a number of other great producers that have uh, paid out handsomely over the last 12 months. Let me, let me start by observation number one, and, and that probably is an illustration of, of, of how uh, wonderful, how un, like, unprecedented, really unprecedented, the, 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 the amount of cashes that comes towards these, these guys. Macquarie makes, makes, makes a point of, 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 on a regular basis, pointing out to investors, listen, if iron ore prices stay around these levels, then the forecast dividend yield on Fortescue, for example, is. And at the moment, that is close to 20%. Not this year, the next two to three years. And that gives you an idea of, of, of how much cash is coming towards those companies on the premise that iron ore prices stay around the levels where they are. Now, even if that comes down a little bit, and we should all we should all uh, take into consideration that, for, in particular, a company like like Fortescue is much more leveraged to that to that, to that price uh, than than our um, BHP and and Rio. But the fact that they are around 19, 20 percent implied dividend yield for uh, for next year and the year after, I mean, it's 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 almost like there's free money to be had. Having said so. We should all take into consideration that these golden eras never last forever and ever. These are still commodity producers. And um, I remember when iron ore was 20 bucks a ton, uh, <laughs> showing my age, showing my age now. It's not going to go back to 20, but it's probably fair to say it's not going to stay above 170 forever and ever either. And China will at some point um, uh, get that price down and the industry dynamics will change at some point. It just appears to be that for the time being, the risks to that happening in the in the near future seem to be quite low. Yeah, no, very true, very true. And uh, 
Yeah, look, but make hay while the sun's shining and there's some juicy dividends coming on the back of that. Well, Rudy, it's time for us to see the light, which is proudly brought to you by our friends at Macro Capital who deliver to you market insights, execution services and investment ideas all in the one package. Go to macro, that's M-A-Q-R-O dot com dot A-U to learn more. All right then, Rudy, uh, you know this part of the program. It's time for you to step up to the plate and share with us two stocks that you feel you know, we should toddle off and go do our own research into, see whether we uh, like what the business does and what it's trying to achieve and whether they align with their own personal objectives and tolerance to risks. So what two companies do you want to help us see the light on? Two? I'll give you 22 if you want. <laughs> no, you won't, but you, okay. you do give us three. So, yeah, to be honest with you, I'm sort of hankering oh. for a 50% rise. You know, one of those big oh, okay. expectations things. Oh, those ones, yes. No, listen, uh, I, I think I'm going, I'm going to do this very strategically. Um, I've mentioned bond yields rising earlier. If, if those shenanigans uh, keep on, and I, and I do think that debate is not going to be settled anytime soon. So we will have, we will have that specter hanging over equity markets for maybe for the rest of the year, maybe even leading into next year. What that means is that your typical wheat your typical bond uh, proxy in the share market is not going to perform. Uh, I mean, that is just the case. So, so I've been saying since the beginning of the year, if you're a typical investor for, uh, for income and you, are, and you do care about the total return of your investments and not just about the yield you're getting, then maybe the best, the best way to do is, is to, to uh, sell your weeds or at least lower your exposure to the weeds, to the typical weeds, and go for industrials and financial companies that uh, pay a high dividend as well, and can combine that with growth. Um, I mean, the best investment strategy for income is always income plus growth, uh, mm -hmm. which is a superior quality. So one company that I've purchased myself, and, and which I have no problems in putting forward to, uh, to, to investors is uh, Super Retail. Super Retail is at the moment, promising investors a dividend yield of more than 6%. Uh, it will benefit from reopening economies and we can all do more leisure and all of that. And in the meantime, it's, it's, it's a well-run retailer in Australia, which also has uh, overlap with uh, one of my other favorite stocks, Babcor. Uh, they do auto parts and stuff like that. And I, for some reason, the market has never placed a super retail on, on the same pedestal as it has uh, with uh, Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi and the likes. Um, and I think uh, super retail is, a, is, an, is an excellent opportunity for uh, also for investors who are not necessarily looking for, uh, for income from the share market. So who's the other one, Rudy? Well, uh, the other one, I would, I, I, can, I can pick probably uh, uh, 15 stocks or so. It's amongst, it's amongst the, the high quality uh, stocks in the market that are at the moment simply out of favor because of bond deals and other examples. But um, so I mean, stocks like Fish and Pickle Healthcare, ResMed, CSL, uh, they are not bad stocks. Nothing has happened to their forecasts. Mm. It's just that bond deals are at the moment and, and, and market sentiment is, is holding them back. Nevertheless, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name another one that uh, people would not necessarily have thought about. Uh, the company is called IDP Education, yep. a company called IEL. Um, this has been a company which has been on my uh, watch list for a very long time. It's, it's, it's probably the highest quality company we have in that particular sector, which basically is 
is getting students uh, prepared online uh, to go and study at universities. Uh, there's a lot happening in that sector. Um, the, the stock has rallied very, very rapidly leading into the results in February and then post the results and subsequently became the victim of, of profit taking, which I think is, is happening right now. But I think uh, this, uh, this company has uh, multiple years ahead of it of, of very strong growth and execution. And again, that means what looks like a very high PE today uh, will not prove very expensive at all in the years to come. And, and this is one that you probably can put in the bottom drawer if you're not worried about day-to-day -day movements in the share price, because I think it is falling. Uh, even today, this, the market is up. Um, but that's just how the market works, essentially, mm. I mean, uh, ups and downs. Yeah, IEL and Super Retail, the two stocks that Rudy helped to see the light on. And yes, remember, folks, uh, we didn't get to healthcare and his beloved CSL, of course. But you know what? Why don't you become a client? Go to fnarena.com and Rudy often iterates his view in regards to that wonderful sector and the wonderful businesses in mm. it, and you can get his updated view. So on behalf of all of you, I want to thank very much the irrepressible Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena for your contribution today and for helping us take us through the reporting season. Thank you very much. This is our last show for the Spotty Week, of course. So if you need your fix, feel free to watch replays on the website, spotty.com.au. Uh, download the audio of the program via your favourite podcast channel as well. Go to the website to see which guests are due to appear on the program next week, and you will also find details about our premium consulting services um, if you want to uh, avail yourselves of that. If a question pops into your head, you remember the details, send it through right now, and we're always on the lookout for new talent, particularly technical analysts. So if you've got a suggestion, let me know, and I'll let you know if I've told them um, or asked them before. Thanks again to our great friends at ShareWell Systems. Until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Mm -hmm.